it was a new company and, and everything was new and we could build it new. And it was extremely exciting and extremely disappointing when, you know, declared bankruptcy because of the subprime mortgage crisis. But um, that was a fun, exciting job for sure. And I loved that position. Welcome to Elevate Your Career, the podcast dedicated to empowering individuals from all walks of life as they navigate the ever-changing landscape of their chosen fields. In this show, we'll be bringing on a diverse range of professionals from various career stages to uncover the secrets behind achieving success in any industry. We'll explore how they achieve their career goals and the paths they took to get there. Your host is none other than Nicole McMacken. CEO of the Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, an award-winning information technology solutions and staffing provider. Now let's get to the show. I am elated to have Colleen Wolf on our podcast today. Colleen has been a C-level executive for almost 20 years and is joining us today to share a few key principles on how she elevated her career. During this podcast, You will hear about what it means to have a courageous conversation, how curiosity didn't kill the cat, but in fact helped Colleen in her rise to the CIO position. She will further address the concept of how using OPPOV can be advantageous to move yourself and your critical agendas forward. You'll also find out not only one fun fact about Colleen, but two. So stick around for a great informative session. Colleen Wolf, so excited to have you here today. Thank you for being on our show. Can't wait. It's going to be fun. Okay. You know this, and I I know you're not going to going to want to want to say this and you're not going to be happy about it, but can you share a fun fact about yourself that few people know about you? Well, I think the fun fact is that I was born and raised in Canada, in Edmonton, Alberta. And some people know that, but not too many because um, I've adapted my accent. I no longer have my Canadian accent or or I only have just a little bit of it. Yeah, trace amounts, trace amounts. Well, um, hmm, I heard another fun fact about you that you were Miss Edmonton Elk for the CFL football team. Is that true? Well, it is true. (laughs) And it's a very interesting story because uh, there was um, the Edmonton Elks have a, every year they would pick someone to be Miss Edmonton Eskimo. And my piano teacher, her name was Mrs. Sills. She dropped off the application to my mom and said, Colleen should fill this out. And I said, to my mom, I'm not filling it out. And she said, yeah, you just fill it out and turn it in. And we can tell Judy, Judy Sills, we can tell Judy that you did it. And I said, okay. And um, I got, I went through the process and I never stopped. And I got chosen to my surprise as Miss Edmonton Elks. Congratulations. And that is your second fun fact. (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. Well, Colleen, I had asked you to come on because as you know, I've known you for years and just an amazing individual to be in awe of in the workforce. You have led huge teams. You've been in the position of chief information officer, Um, often actually when, when women are not at that level. And you, from the very start since I've known you, and it's almost been, believe it or not, 20 years, 
And I know, right? We're getting old. We're not getting getting any younger over here. <laughs> yeah. But but and you know, you've led teams of a thousand. I remember New Century Mortgage, right? And and you took them through and that subprime time. And I remember you left there as one of the last, you know, women standing or person standing to, to kind of tie them down after that, you know, the 2008 crisis and how you handled it. And you've had an amazing reputation. And I really wanted you to come on today and, and talk a little bit about what motivated or inspired you, you know, to pursue a career in tech and, and talk to us a little bit about, you know, your career journey and where you started and where you ended up. We'd, I'd love to, love to hear it. And I think, you know, the audience would get a lot out of it. So um, it's an interesting story how I ended up in technology. In my senior year, I took a computer programming class and I just was enamored with it. We had to make the game mastermind. I don't know if you remember that game where it's like you pick the colors and then it tells you where you are in your spots. Anyways, the program needed to be um, doing that. And it was just really interesting. And I really enjoyed it. And so um, interestingly enough, I didn't actually apply for computer science when I decided to go to the University of Alberta. I just thought, oh, I'll go into general science. I'll see if computer science, I'll see if I like computer science. And my best friend at the time a little bit more structured than I was, says, um, let's go and talk to the faculties and we should learn more. And I'm like, okay. So I go along and I get to the the computer science faculty and I go, well, I really would like to consider computer science, but I'm not quite sure yet. And she goes, well, you would need to be in the faculty to take the classes. And I said, oh, and she said, but I can put you in, you know, your grades are at the right level. I can put you in. And I said, well, what does that mean? And she goes, it means you get to take the classes. So I said, (laughs) Oh, okay, I'll do that. And and frankly, it was a, a great time because I think if I hadn't gotten in at that point in time and I hadn't taken the classes, I might not be here talking to you today. So, and then, you know, tech is hard because it's a lot of math in college. And um, so you gotta you gotta persist through the, the math because when you come out, it's not a lot of math. Or I didn't work in a career where there was a lot of math. I worked in a career where it was a lot of analysis and talking to people. Do you think that's the big misnomer? So you're so, you know, they always talk about STEM, right? And, you know, women in STEM and lack of it and, you know, obviously the mathematic portion of it. But you're saying in technology, right? There's you're saying there's not there's not a lot of mathematics, right? Yeah. I mean, you have to write some code. Well, that's not necessarily mathematics. It's analytical. I mean, that's the slight, the slight difference on that. And I had to take all the math in college and I did it. And I think what it taught me is how to teach myself how to do something and how to learn something. But I didn't, I I really haven't used the math when I've gotten out of my, uh, that I took in my degree in my professional career, but I have used what the process of teaching yourself how to learn something because In this job, you have to learn something all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. And the logic, right? I mean, and the logic, right? Yeah. Right. Very interesting. And so you computer sciences, right? Right. And then graduated and said, all right, I'm going to leave Canada. I'm going to. No, no, no. I took my first job in Calgary, Alberta with, um, a company called Intergraph. And I actually was in the IT department. They hired me to write an order management system. And so I had to write, design the database design, and write all the code, test all the code. And um, it was an exhausting feat, I'll tell you. Um, I was doing it by myself. And when I delivered the product, 
whatever, however I delivered it, I decided that programming just wasn't for me. I, I can't, couldn't stand the sit in my office all day, every day and, and look at a computer screen and not talk to anybody. And so the fortunate thing I was, Intergraph was a, a CAD CAM company that basically made hardware and software for computer graphics. And so I was able to go from the IT department into the, um, I'll call it technical side of the business. And actually I would do technical demos and technical presentations. And that was much more up my alley. And I really, really enjoyed, enjoyed that. And so I started to learn what, what was it, what I like to do as part of technology and programming was not one of those. And so I moved into the, the, I'll call it technical assistance or technical presentation side of the business. And um, you still had to build databases and do things like that, but they weren't at production level types of work. And so. And were you one of the only few women at that point or were there There many was people? one other woman um, that I, you know, have a lot of respect for her and I, Janice was her name. And we were on this tech side and we just worked together and supported each other through, through a lot of it. And then we did this, I did this big project for one of the clients in Alberta. And when the project was done, I was very worried that I would now be left supporting that client and not being able to do all the other things, like go talk to more clients and go interact with more clients. And Intergraph had a, a head office down in Huntsville, Alabama. That's where Intergraph Corporation was. And there was an EVP down there that I interacted with as we delivered this um, project to the customer in Canada, because it actually was the first one of its kind. And he asked me, he said, do you want to come and work down here in Intergraph in, in Corporation? And I said, sure. What, what job are you thinking about? He goes, oh, just tell me what you want to do. Those were the days, so for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, how about I want your job? <laughs> <laughs> so I just said, well, I, you know, I've, I've kind of been doing this implementation. I kind of get, like to get back to more the front end of the interaction with the customers and trying to, you know, um, tell them about our technology. And so um, I moved down to Huntsville, Alabama, and I, um, I started um, working my career there. And I worked at Intergraph for about four years, and that's when I took a new position, a similar position, a front-end technical person um, uh, with a company called Structural Dynamics Research Corporation. And that was in El Segundo, California. And that's when I moved to California. And then um, from there, I went to IBM, similar for a few years, doing similar type of role. And so except for that programming role, all of these now were basically, I was a vendor and I was showing my wares, right? I was talking about what we could, you know, how we could improve um, the capabilities of the customer. After IBM, I then went to Mattel and I went back into the IT organization. And that was a conscious decision because when you're in the vendor position, you are traveling a fair bit. And um, at that point in time, I wanted to have a family. And so I wanted to have a job that was more stable. Little did I know that at my 10 years at Mattel, I would end up traveling the world and going to all the different uh, manufacturing facilities. So there was there was quite a bit of travel even in the uh, IT part at Mattel. So, and would um, you, Colleen, would you say that 
when you went to Mattel, did that really, it was almost like a, a great shift for you in careers, right? Yeah. In your trajectory. Yeah. Would you say that that's kind of what elevated you? Because I, I remember meeting you at Mattel and really? um, there was another, I did, there was another lady there and I think you were running, you were like a senior vice president or at the time. And yeah. So when I, what happened at Mattel is I went in as a manager um, I got promoted to a, uh, and the other thing that happened, it was 10 years. I had two kids in that time frame. I went in as a manager. Eventually I was promoted to a director just as my son was being born, my first child. And then um, they hired a new CIO to come in and I was at the director level. And when he came in, you know, I interacted with him and he actually promoted me to the VP level. And that's so right. that's when I was the VP and I took on like incremental components. I never got a promotion after that, but I took up, added more um, staff and responsibilities to my job. And then that's really how I became a CIO is he actually um, left Mattel as a CIO. He went to New Century Financial as the COO, chief operating officer. And he called me and said, hey, are you interested in the CIO job? And at that point in time, I was definitely ready and interested. And so I moved to New Century Financial, even though I went from a five mile commute to a, um, I think about 25 mile commute, but it was worth it. it. You know, I made the sacrifice because I wanted to be a CIO. Okay. I'm dying to ask this. And I know people, this is going to be top of mind. You said two kids, you have two kids. You're working through your career. You're elevating yourself. You're taking on additional projects at Mattel, right? Tell me how did you have work-life balance? Can you have it all? That's always a question, right? And and what say you, Colleen Wolf? I say it's an all-day, everyday conversation with yourself because you're always making choices on whether you're going to do this with your family or you're going to do this for your work. And my, I would also say, you know, I have a very supporting husband and that really, I think through those younger years of those kids, it got me through um, that I was making choices all days and didn't always make the right choices, but, you know, learned from that and tried to take that forward. And then, um, you know, had a supportive husband who, who was also working, you know, we were two, two jobs and two kids. He was also working, but we were able to balance, um, balance that and, and survive. But it was a lot of, you know, essentially every weekend I prepared to go back to work for all week. So I was making food. I was doing all the things I needed to do so that I could go back to work the next week. So, so you prepared all the dinners, it sounds like, yeah. right? For the week. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I know it's funny because I get asked all the time, you know, is, is there such a thing, you know, in our women in leadership course, is there such a thing, you know, as work-life balance? And I said, you know, it's tough, right. And very, very similar. It's, it's almost every day and you're, you're constantly juggling things and, and trying to reprioritize things. And, you know, another question is, you know, can you have it all? Can you do it all? And I say, you know, no, but you can have it all at different points in your life, right? And it depends on what's important to you during those periods, right? Right. But I think, I don't know about you, but I think that the fun of, you know, starting out in your career and, and pushing it hard and and having, you know, children at the same time and, you know, and having a partner that's 
you know, that's right there with you and, and you're both making sacrifices. It's sometimes, you know, I look back at the the times in my life where we were pushing so hard and we didn't have a lot. And, and, you know, we were, we were, you know, staying in every night and having peanut butter and jelly and doing those kind of things and, you know, having two kids and trying to afford preschool. And it's those times that are hard and it's hard work that you look at and almost develops your character for the future and who you are. And yeah, so I, I, I feel, I feel like you, like it's just a day, day to day and you do make sacrifices, right. On where you can go and what you can do. And some days it's, you know, I I've got to be at my child's school or I got to pick them up or I've, I've got to do this. And these are important to me. And, and it's, it's really great that, you know, I don't know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, Colleen, you know, this, this today we didn't have remote work. Yeah. Right. And we didn't have you know, the flexibility that, that, is a benefit that we that, do today. Yeah. That is such a big benefit for, I think I, I said this when COVID happened, I said, this is such a big deal for new young women coming into the workforce. I think it's going to help us get more women into the workforce because now there's more flexibility for them and they can be home and they can move around and these things. I mean, I remember, you know, speeding down the freeway you know, trying to get to daycare and all those kinds of things. Whereas now with the flexibility, you can say, you know what, I got to pick up in daycare. I got to be work from home today or, you know, those types of things. So I think actually I'm hopeful that that allows more women to maintain in the work, stay in the workplace and then, and then have more peace in their life. Yes. Yes. And more, and that's what it's all about, right? Living your life with grace, with peace and not running frenetically from one end to the other, trying to do these things. Like I know you probably did. And I, I probably did, but, uh, so your first CIO opportunity, new century financial, um, many of the listeners probably know that, um, big subprime company and, um, you know, know, that's, but I mean, it was like, everything, everything was new, you know, that was actually one of the biggest benefits of that company. It wasn't like it had been around for 40 years and had, you know, this, what I might call technical debt, or um, sometimes I say waxy buildup, you know, it was a new company and, and everything was new and we could build it new. And it was extremely exciting and extremely disappointing when um, it, you know, declared bankruptcy because of the subprime mortgage crisis. But um I, that was a, that was a fun, exciting uh, job for sure. And I loved that position. Are you enjoying the episode thus far? We'll be right back after a quick word with our sponsor, Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC. Are you ready to thrive in the ever evolving tech industry? The tech world is constantly changing and ITC is your partner for navigating it successfully. Whether you're seeking top tier tech professionals or the perfect opportunity, We are happy to connect you with talent to transform your business. At ITC, we specialize in placing first-rate, diverse technology talent into corporations with a particular focus on underrepresented groups in tech. We believe in bringing new perspectives and ideas to your team. Together, we can contribute to a more innovative technology industry. Diversity isn't just a buzzword for us, it's in our DNA. Whether you're looking at bringing on more tech talent or you're a tech professional searching for your perfect role and employer, look no further. Take a look at www.irvinetechcorp.com and pick the best option for you. Be part of our mission to create a more inclusive and innovative technology industry. Once again, 
It's www.irvinetechcorp.com. Now back to the show. Out here in, you know, in California, you know, you had this hub of subprime companies and banks and they were booming and um, there were other competitors too in the market and it, and you just did a great job. I remember you had a, a big IT department. You ran over a thousand people. What we, what we haven't touched on um, is, you know, CIO level woman in her career with children, making her way female, right? How did you compete with men? Right. It's, it's more normalized today, but you know, in, in some ways there's, there's still underlying bias and, um, and, and it's tough, right? So, you know, for you, how did you overcome and, and were there any obstacles that you faced and and if you could share with our listeners like you know there it's tough right how how did you and what did you do there was a lot of obstacles and um i think the 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 thing that i figured out was um and somebody taught me this actually and i i teach people this still to this day so somebody taught me and i and i'm passing it on what i i took on was this concept of the other person's point of view and and whoever that other person is right if they're um your boss or your peer or your business partner that you're trying to convince of something. And what I, that, that concept has stuck with me for throughout my career, because what that means is the way to succeed is to understand what's important to that person. And then how, what you're doing can be made important to that person. And so it's really seeing what's important to them and what, what would they want out of this conversation or this discussion and then really trying to you know not compromise it's not a compromise it's actually coming from a place where you now know what you need to do and and then using that to your advantage to to win people over to have a discussion to tell them your point of view to tell them um to to work with them on how we should change something uh and it's other person's point of view o p p o v and i still teach that to to this date well, and isn't it that's super interesting? So I'm I'm writing this down as um as you're talking. So is is that similar to really being active listening or being an active listener and listening to what someone wants and then putting yourself in their shoes, understanding where they're coming from, their point of view, right? And you're doing that through active listening or it, it's active is this- listening, but it's also like you know, it's really understanding who, who you're, it's really understanding the person. What are they trying to achieve? What are their hot buttons? What sets them off positively? What sets them off negatively? Um, if you told, what would you say to them that would make them super excited? And, and just really understanding the person that you're, you're communicating with or the, or the people, I mean, obviously, cause sometimes you're presenting in a group and you but how do you get to know that, Colleen? How do you get to know that? Is just it having just... you are consciously collecting information every day, all day. You're interacting with people. You're collecting information. You're learning about that person. You're learning what they. You're listening to what they say, and you're learning about what's important to them all day, every day. So that when you have to have a conversation that's tough or courageous, or you know, you need something from them you can use that to your advantage in that discussion. And so um, I think that was really a big turning point for me because I think I was always wanting people to hear what I had to say and what I did differently 
after learning that is I said, okay, I know what I have to say, but I have to say it in a way that this person will be open to listening to it. And so what is it that they is are interested in or what's their point of view so that I can make them opening uh, open to listening to it? And is this, so you said O-P-P-O-V. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And is this something, how did you learn this? What, is this like <laughs> off the shelf or is, is this No, 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 no. So um, when I was at Mattel, I was identified as a high potential and I was given a executive coach. And this is one thing that the executive coach taught me was O-P-P-O-V. And um, it has stuck with me for my entire career. Wow. And would you say that, you know, that's one of the highlights of how obviously hard work and dedication and all the things fortitude that it takes to get where you're at, but by taking on the, the other person's point of view, the OPPOV is really what you found helped you, I guess, yeah, get it, what you want, right? Is that help me, help me move my agenda forward. Yeah. Not just exclaiming that this is my agenda and this is what we should do, but by you know, putting that in a frame that that person, that it was, was interesting to that person because you were putting it in a frame that was about their point of view. Right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Oh, that's super interesting. I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to actually start utilizing that myself. (laughs) That's, that's a good tip. So, um, so, you know, obviously women in the workforce, you're utilizing, you found out this executive coach, he, he talks to you about, you know, she actually, oh, her, she, she oh. was an executive coach and her name was Carol Kears. And, um, I've stayed up with her. She was from change masters and, um, she's retired now, but she was an executive coach for quite a few years. Oh, that's okay. That's awesome. I love it. And so she's talks to you about OPPOV and you're implementing or going, is there a time where you feel ever as you're climbing the corporate ladder um, and now, you know, you've been a CIO for years, but do you ever feel not imposter syndrome or maybe so imposter syndrome, but, but self-doubt, right? Do you ever feel like, like a little tinge? I, mean, I honestly think that, you know, you'd be, li- I would be lying if I didn't ever tell you I had self-doubt. And I think people wouldn't be self-aware if they thought they never had self-doubt. So absolutely. I've had self-doubt um, at times and in my career and, you know, the way I just handle that is I leverage my colleagues, you know, my trusted partners, my trusted people in my life that I could talk to about a situation or, or something like that. And even my husband and, um, you know, just learn to listen and, you know, get your confidence back. It's, it's a little bit about, sometimes I think I get self-doubt when, doubt when I lose a little bit of my mojo and then it's how to get your mojo back and learning what makes you what mentally helped you get your mojo back? Because it's all a mental game. In right. the end, that's all this is, is a mental game. Right. And you just have to have the tricks, the mental tricks to help yeah. you um, get that back. I'll never forget. I was talking to a, a dear friend of ours who is president of a, a really big company. And um, he said, you know, I think, he, yeah, I always thought he's so, so brilliant, right? And, and so smart. And he said to me, he said, God, he goes, you know, Nicole, it's so weird. He says, all these people, I'm I'm standing on stage and I'm talking to them. He says, and, and inside I'm thinking, why are they so intrigued to listen to me? 
And I'm thinking, my God, you are, you know, you work for one of the biggest brands in the United States and you are leading teams. And he says, yeah, but inside, you know, I'm still Nicole McMacken or I'm yeah. still, you know, so-and-so. And and so I think there's statistics too. I, I don't know the exact amount, but, you know, that a lot of people suffer from, you know, feeling self-doubt, imposter syndrome. And last time I looked, I think it was in the high 80s, right? I mean, this is very common for leaders and and for just any individual. And so, yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's what you do, right? I feel the same thing and you confide in in friends and then you really recognize when you're feeling those moments that yeah. hey, let me let me start over again because this is what this is and this is what I'm feeling and you dismiss it and you move on, right? Because yeah. we all are feeling it. I think it's extremely common in both males and females. Um, that as you're climbing the corporate ladder, you're, you definitely have so moments of self-doubt. And, and that's another thing to remember. They're moments. They're not, it's not a constant thing, but you do have moments and, and you just have to have the, I guess, the method to, to get some reassurance from your, your colleagues and then to, um, you know, have the confidence to move on. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And I think leaning into, you know, your colleagues, as you said, I think it's a big thing because they just put you it's it's so dismissive and and I think sometimes too if if I go into a meeting and I was ill prepared and and I'm feeling bad you know I want someone that's going to tell me the truth also and say yeah you know what you could have probably been a little bit more prepared you could have done this and I always find those are the people that that I really want to have feedback from that are going to be honest I I don't know about you but you know there's nothing worse than when you even hire individuals right I'm on your technical teams or you know, your, your direct managers that are, that are working for you. You don't want people that are just going to tell you what you want to hear. You want to be challenged. I mean, do you yeah. find that? And you want to have the truth no matter, no matter what it is. You want to be challenged in everything. It's not just the truth, but you want to say, you you say, Hey, I think we should do it a different way. Or I think we could think about this differently. And you're exactly right. It, you want people on your team. They have the confidence to tell you, hey, I think there's a different approach to this, or could we do it this way? And could, maybe we could um, do it do it a different way and, and have the confidence and courage to actually have that conversation with you. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I talk about a lot is courageous conversations. And you got to have those with your boss, got to have those with your employees. You know, you got to have those with your business partners. A, a lot of time, you have to have courageous conversations and you have to have the courage to have the greatest conversation. Right. And and I think you've got to set the tone in your organization, right? That having courageous conversations is okay. Uh it's re, it's I don't know, for me, it's funny I have a, a a woman who works for me, she's our COO and her name is Nicole also, and she'll say like, "Oh, I go, how come I didn't know about this?" And she'll say, "Oh, they're they don't want to bother you or they're they're afraid to tell you." I say, "Why? I'm the most open person ever. I, I foster conversation. I want to have dialogue. And right. so sometimes, you know, people are, are funny that way, but it's important. How do you at your organization foster that type of environment where people feel free to come with you with challenges or, or simply even say, you know what, take accountability. Like Colleen, I screwed up. I didn't, I didn't do this right. Right. You know, you know, it's an interesting conversation because I think every team I've ever had, I've had to figure that out in a different way. So that I don't think I, I, I don't think I've come up with a single formula um, that says, okay, here's how you do that. But it's really just learning again, getting to know the people on your team, getting to know 
what they're thinking, getting to know their point of view, right? And really encouraging them to have a courageous conversation with you. And I even say that out loud. I'm like, you know, I, I'm encouraging you to have a courageous conversation if you have a different of a difference of opinion. And I'm a total believer, and you know, this sounds so sappy, but I'm a total believer that if you have an IT leadership team, you know, we all are working together and we all have different strengths and weaknesses. And the thing we need to do is leverage all of our strengths together for the better of the whole and, and bring it together. And I know I have weaknesses. And so I need people who can help me shore up those weaknesses in, on the team. And they have weaknesses. Maybe I can help them shore it up. And so it is really trying to leverage the strengths of the whole, the strengths of the individuals to support the whole, I guess, um, that, that really makes a team. And, and the more you can do that, I think the more people become open because now they know what their strengths are on the team and they also know what everyone's weaknesses are and they know how they can support and help. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Well, well said, 100%. I'm, I'm in agreement. So as you progressed in your career, have you had to adapt to new technologies or industry trends? You know, how do you stay agile and prepared for, for different change? I mean, that's what technology is. It's change every day, all day. And um, I think, you know, reading on the internet, reading a lot of things, you know, helps you to understand those things. You know, having the base in computer science, you can read something and you can sort of understand it. Maybe you don't understand every technical detail of it, but you understand it sort of at the macro level, what it means and what it might mean. Um, I think leveraging your vendor partners because they're always vendors are always out there building new technology, thinking of new ways to implement things, thinking of new methodologies. And, you know, IT organizations aren't as progressive as the vendor organizations. I mean, I think that's just the way it is, maybe except if you're the IT organization in Google, but I guess you're still the vendor organization there. But right, that's um, true. <laughs> but, um, you know, so leveraging those leveraging those vendors that are out there and they're they're trying to adapt to new technology, adapt to new methodologies and leverage their intellect around that. They're more than willing to talk to you about it. You know, and and teach you even sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's important. The basis of our podcast is really focused on helping individuals at every level, you know, elevate their career, and not necessarily in technology, just you know, any any industry. Right. And you know, what advice would you give someone who's just starting their career and looking to follow in a similar path that you have? So I think the one piece of advice is have a lot of curiosity. I think that has served me really, really well. So just asking questions, not because you're questioning somebody, but asking questions because you're seeking to understand and you want to learn. And the more you learn, the more you can think about how to solve that problem or how to solve or create an opportunity. And so I think, you know, Waiting, sitting back and waiting for everything to come to you isn't going to be, isn't going to serve you well. I think you need to be out there asking questions, trying to understand other, a business process, a new um, application, a new technology, a, a new network protocol, something like, but just always be curious, always be asking questions, always be learning. And I think that that's really going to show up and help you move um, throughout your career. I agree. I agree. I think curiosity, right? And it's 
when you're looking even at internal employees, people who are curious are curious about the business. They're curious about how you do things, what other you know competitors are doing in the market, and bringing thoughts and ideas. That's how you grow as a human being. You know, you're making yourself almost uncomfortable every day by asking questions that you're sometimes afraid to ask, right? And I think we've become a society where we're afraid to ask a lot of questions for the fear of looking stupid. And to me, you know, ask away. That shows me that you're intelligent, that you're wanting to go somewhere, that you're wanting to learn, right? Yeah. And that's one of the things, actually, sometimes I just say, educate me. And then I ask my question. Oh, I like that. That means tells people that, I'm just wanting to be educated. I'm not, because sometimes people think when you're asking a question, you're questioning them or you're questioning their decision or something. And a lot of times, in a lot of cases, that's not true. And so you should say, educate me, blah, 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 blah. And and I think it takes the edge off for people and they go, oh, she's just seeking to understand or seeking to be educated. Let me educate you then. Yes, I love that. I'm going to actually use, oh, I've gotten a couple of tidbits here. I love this. Okay, <laughs> we are going to do our fast five. And our okay. fast five is rapid fire questions, five of them, just to get to know you. They're silly before we end um, our podcast today. So we want to know what your favorite professional book is. Uh, good to great. Ooh, love it. Favorite food? Greek food. Mm. How do you recharge after a long day? I like to walk. So I like to walk my dog around the block, around the, wherever I can go. I like to walk. Favorite type of music? Country. Favorite movie? Four Weddings and a Funeral is what I'm going to say to that one. That's oh, a, I love that movie. It's an old movie, but it's a funny movie. And I, <laughs> I enjoyed that movie. I did too. It's a great one. Um, Colleen, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your trajectory in your career and giving some some key takeaways to our listeners. I'm grateful. And I'm actually grateful for our, our 20-year friendship as well. So thank you again. Thank you so much for asking. And it's it's been a pleasure to be here. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Elevate Your Career podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you're listening to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mention links in the description of this episode. Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, excels at finding top-tier tech professionals and matching them with businesses. Whether you're an employer with tech opportunities or a tech professional searching for the perfect role, ITC is your go-to solution. Visit www.irvinetechcorp.com for more information. Once again, it's www.irvinetechcorp.com. We'll see you on the next episode.